Well, I've got to tell you, it's been a rough week. Um, it just so happens today I'm going to preach about injury and about unity and how we're not supposed to go through things alone like Tess shared. Um, but I also have to be transparent and let you know that because I know what some of you all are going through, and even others who are in our fellowship that aren't here today, um, my heart hurts for some of our families. My heart hurts for some of you, uh, for the things that you are enduring right now. Some of you, it's things you're going through at work that you shared with me this past week. Some of you, there are family things, there are deep hurts that are happening. And in in this room right now, if you look around, I guarantee you, you are very near somebody who is injured in some way. Maybe yourself, you're injured right now. The thing about injury, no matter how it happens, on a football field, a car wreck, whatever in life, the thing about injury is it always causes us to ask questions. And the reality is it causes us to ask questions that I don't think we really want to know the answer to sometimes. And I'm going to get into that here in just a minute. One of those questions we ask, actually several of those questions that we ask are, why is this happening to me? What did I do to deserve this? Why do bad things happen to good people? We watch the news, we see what's going on in our world, and we think, what, why is that happening? Why does God allow that? He's just a kid. He doesn't deserve a chronic disease. She's a mother of four, an amazing wife. She doesn't deserve cancer. Why would God take some from, someone from us in the prime of their life? Why would someone take their own life? Why is there so much injustice in our world? Why is there so much hate and animosity toward one another in our nation? Why is racism alive and well in our world? Why is it okay to hate someone you disagree with, but it's not okay for someone to even disagree with you? That's a millennial question. It's what our young people are growing up with. Why does there seem to be so much injury in our world? Why does there seem to be so much mental injury in our world? So where is God in this? And the questions just continue. I have some questions for you. Just a few. Specifically Christians. Why do we choose to go through life injured? I didn't choose this. Yeah, sometimes we do. We know what we struggle with. And we choose to just accept it and go through life. We choose to to identify with our pain. We choose to identify with our injury. We choose to identify with our struggle and just give into it. We just say, ah, nobody's perfect. I'll have communion on Sunday. I'll ask forgiveness. God will forgive me. I'll repent for the moment. We'll move on. And by Wednesday, I'll do it again. (laughs) I'm not just talking physical pain, Christians. Why are we comfortable giving into our spiritual pains? Why are we comfortable giving into our mental pains? Why do, why do you think that you deserve to endure some of the pain and the injury that you're secretly living with? Why do you choose to tolerate injury alone rather than share your burdens with one another? Why do you choose to tolerate injury alone rather than allow your brothers and sisters in Christ to come alongside you and walk the mile with you? I've had conversations with some of you in the last three weeks that have shared something with me and then you've said, but don't tell anybody. I want to scream. I have a list that I would love to share with all of you. But then somebody would be like, you broke confidentiality. I probably would. So I'm not going to do it. But just know, you don't have to go through this alone. But we're not mind readers. 
It's Valentine's Day's coming up. Ladies, we are not mind readers. You don't get to say, you know what you did. No, we don't. We're simple that way. And if you don't tell us what we did, we're going to think it was okay. We'll do it again. It's just how it is. It's the same thing, Christians, in, in, this, in this place right now. In your CPR groups, and the people that you fellowship with, if you don't share with somebody what's going on with your life, one, we can't pray with you about it. Two, we can't help you through it. And we can't, I can't make you share with the people around you. I wish I could, because we do like a Dr. Phil moment, and I'd put all of you on stage and say, now, now, Rick, why do you think that is? And then we could share with it. The reality is we weren't meant to be alone. I shared that when I opened this series up. Jesus prayed for unity because we weren't meant to be alone. Even Jesus, when he was struggling with some things, he took his friends with him. He said, come with me. I have to pray, but I want, to keep, I want you to keep watch. He says, I'm troubled. I have to spend some time with my father, but I want you there with me. As Jesus went to pray, he's literally pouring his heart out to God. He's talking about the coming trial. He's talking about the beating that he's going to endure and ultimately his crucifixion and his death. And he's praying and he's asking God, if there's any other way, please consider it. Take this cup from me. But more than that, Father, your will be done. And he goes to his friends and they're sleeping. And this happens three times. I'm not making this up. Look at Matthew chapter 26, verses, starting at verse 36. It says, then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be grieved and distressed. Look at what he says in verse 38. He says to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. He's telling them what's, where he's at in life. He's telling them he is grieving. My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here with me. Keep watch. And he went a little bit beyond them and fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and he found them sleeping. The same disciples that he just said to them, I am grieved to, to death. I'm hurt. I have to do something that's monumental. It's huge. Stay watch. Keep watch while I go pray. And he comes in there sleeping. And he said to Peter, so you men could not keep watch with me for one hour. Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He knew their heart was good. He knew their heart was in the right place. They wanted to support him. They wanted to be, be there with him. He said, you're weak. And he went away again a second time and he prayed saying, Again, the same prayer, my father, if this cannot pass away unless I drink it, your will be done. Again, he came and found them sleeping with their eyes were heavy. Have you, had, have you ever been there? Have you had that? Oh, I just can't stay awake. I'm trying. I really want to be there for you, but I can't. Verse 44, and he left them again and went away and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let us be going. Behold, the one who betrays me is at hand. 
some things I think we can pick up from this is, first of all, it's okay to ask God tough questions. It's okay. Jesus asked him, is, is there any way? Is there any other way we can do this? But his end response was, if not, then your will be done. See, I believe that God can handle our tough questions. But he deserves reverence when we ask him. Jesus knew his place when he's asking God these questions. He already knew the plan. This was not a surprise to him. He knew what was coming. Lord, if this is really how it has to be, then your will be done. And he's showing by example how we should deal with injury. He could have gone to the garden alone to pray. He did that many times. It wasn't uncommon for Jesus to say to his his disciples, you go ahead, I'm going to go pray and I'll catch up with you. I'll meet you later. But this time, what is coming into Jesus' life is concerning to him. To the point that he even questions God. Father, are you sure this is how it needs to be? Not my will, but yours be done. You could even say that there's an example here where Jesus is playing a little bit injured. He tells them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Just remain here. Be with me. Sometimes the only thing we need is somebody beside us. If I'm struggling with something, or if you're struggling with something, you don't necessarily need all of my wisdom and discernment and advice. I have a lot of it. You don't always need that. Sometimes you just need a hand to hold and a shoulder to cry on. We don't, the, the problem is we don't know how to act when someone comes to us that's injured. When they come to share something and, and we want to rescue them right away. It's okay, we've all been there. We don't need you to say that. I just need you to listen. I just need you to just sit beside me like Job's friends did. Just sit beside me while I'm sitting in the ash and scraping my wounds. Just sit here. Because the reality is you're not necessarily going to fix my problem and I'm not going to fix yours. But it is nice to know that we don't have to go through it alone. We are not meant to go through this junk alone. We're not meant to play the game of life injured and alone. Jesus shows us this in the way that he did everything. Where's God in all this? God's son is asking for another way to save us from our sin. And God is in heaven saying, trust me, this is the only way. But in the end, it will be worth it for my people to have access to me. You see, God's plan was for us to be reconciled to him. Romans 8, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. And when I think about Jesus praying in the garden, I think about his death and his, on the cross, his burial, his resurrection, I can't help but think also of Romans 8, 28 through 30. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And those, these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. Do you see the pattern? We become Christians. We're not promised an easy life. We're not promised an injury-free life. We are, however, 
justified through Jesus Christ. We are, however, glorified because of Christ, because God causes all things to work together for good to those who love Him and to those who are called according to His purpose. So why do bad things happen to good people? Why is this world so unfair? Where is God in all of this? I'll tell you this. One of the answers that I absolutely don't like when people ask this question, and maybe it's just me, but I just can't stand it when somebody says, hey, where's God in all this? Why does God allow bad things to happen? I don't like it when people say, well, we can't understand God's ways. It's not an inaccurate statement. It's very true. We can't understand God's ways, but there's just something about that that I don't want to hear anymore. So when I was working on this message about injury, I decided that I wanted to look into a different explanation. I wanted to find out something. And I don't know if you want to hear a different explanation. Maybe you're okay with hearing we can't understand God's ways. But I started digging in this because I couldn't let that go. I don't know if you really want to know why innocent people suffer. I don't know if you want to know why death has so many ways. But as I began to answer these questions, I thought to myself, ignorance really is bliss. Should have just left it at, we aren't meant to know God's ways. I give you this warning. You are probably far better off with the question itself than with the answer that I'm about to share with you. You see, we're bothered by the fact that bad things happen. Whether it's a natural disaster that takes lives, whether it's a disease that takes lives, whether it's starvation and hunger in other countries, whether it's trafficking in our own country, whatever it is, we're bothered by the fact that people are sometimes injured. And they suffer, sometimes even undeservedly. And we should be bothered by that. Any person with an ounce of moral sensitivity should be outraged by some of the injustices that are happening in our world. Abraham even asked God, should the judge of the whole world not act fairly? Moses said to God, why have you treated this people badly? And today we still ask, why God, why? But what have we found the answer What if someone came along and gave us an explanation? What if the mystery were finally solved? What if we asked why and actually got an answer? As I dug into this, I realized the problem with answering this question is that we would then be able able to make peace with the injury. We'd be able to make peace with the suffering of innocent people, of innocent children, And that's just unthinkable. What's worse than innocent people suffering is others watching their suffering unmoved. And I think that's what happens if we're able to understand why bad things happen. Stay with me. When you can understand why bad things happen, we would no longer be bothered by the cry. We'd no longer feel the pain because we would understand why it's happening. Imagine this. You're in the hospital. And maybe you're visiting somebody. Maybe you work at it. It doesn't matter. But you're at a hospital. And you hear a woman just screaming out in pain. Agony. You can tell it's hurting. And outside that room, you see family members laughing and and joking and, and just being jovial. And you think, what is wrong with you? She's in there screaming. She's in pain. Why aren't you praying? Why aren't you doing something for her? Why aren't you calling for a nurse to give her some morphine or something to take the pain away? And then someone steps up and says, well, the reality is 
Obviously, we can hear her screaming, but she's having a baby. Isn't that great? She's having a baby. Of course we're happy. There's, there's a grandfather out there somewhere going, my grandson's being born. My quiver's getting full. Ah, you better believe I'm happy. It's just a little bit of pain. Especially the guys. Yeah. A little bit of pain. I didn't feel a thing. That's what we say. Because we can justify it because we know the answer. Why does God allow pain to happen? Well, because of sin, he said, pain's going to happen in childbirth. But because we know the why, we accept it. Now, that's an interesting illustration. But put that in context with the other things that we know, the other things that we see in our world. You see, when we have an explanation, pain doesn't seem so bad anymore. Pain lets you know you're still alive. That's what men say. I was just going to say it. (laughs) Pain's not pain, it's weakness. Leaving the body. No pain, no gain. We justify it. We justify the injury for the glory. We can tolerate suffering when we know why it's happening. Football players at the big game. Get that shoulder hurt. You go in that little tent, that magic tent on the sideline. They carry a guy off in a stretcher. And five minutes later, he comes running out ready to play again. Yeah, they shot him up like a racehorse. (laughs) Got to win that ring. Pain's bearable when we have a reason. We can live with it. We can justify it. We can rationalize the tragedies in our world. We're able to hear when we can live with the pain. And if we could, we'd be able to hear the cry of sweet children in pain and not be horrified. We'd be able to visit other countries and be like, oh, they're... They're just hungry because they haven't had lunch yet. No, they're hungry because they haven't eaten in four days. They're eating dirt sandwiches. We'd be able to see the injury and just move along, minding our own business. We would tolerate seeing broken hearts and shattered lives because we would be able to neatly explain them away. Our question would be answered and we could move on and we could leave others alone in their injuries. Except for one thing. We weren't meant to go through these things alone. See, it comes back to the question, why is this happening? Where is God in this? As long as the pain of innocence remains a burning question, then we're bothered by its existence. And as long as we can't explain pain and injury, as long as we're asking the questions, why is this happening? Why do bad things happen to good people? He's just a kid. He doesn't deserve a chronic disease. She's a mother of four, an amazing wife. She doesn't deserve cancer. As long as we're asking, why would God take someone from us in the prime of their life? Why would someone take their own life? Why is there so much injustice in our world? Why is there so much hate and animosity toward one another in our nation? As long as we ask the questions, why is racism alive and well, rather than look for the answer? Well, that's just it. We have to do our part to be a part of the solution. And to alleviate it. If injured people's suffering doesn't fit into our worldview, then we need to do our part to eradicate it rather than just wait for God to do something and justify the pain. We need to help get rid of it. Just keep asking the question why do bad things happen to good people? But I think we need to stop looking for answers. We need to start formulating a response. You need to take your righteous anger for injustice and injury 
and turn it into a force for doing good. Redirect your frustration with these things and channel it into a drive to fight these things rather than to fight with each other. We need to let our outrage propel us into acts of compassion. When you see innocent people injured and suffering, don't say, where is God in this? Step up and be a reflection of him in this. Help them. There's a Christian song where he talks about, God, where are you in all these things? Why this? Why that? Why don't you do something? And God, the reply is, I created you in my image. You do something. You serve. You help the broken. You walk alongside the injured. You pick that person up and dust them off. You hug them and love them while they go through loss. Don't say, where's God in this? Be the reflection of him and you be the help. Christians, we can do our part to combat the pain in the world with goodness and justice. And I believe we can even alleviate suffering with acts of mercy and grace. The reality is we don't really want answers. We don't want explanations and we don't want closure. What we should want is an end to injury and suffering. And I think God is wanting to see what we're prepared to do about it. It's a big call. Maybe rather than asking God where he is during these times of of personal injury, during these times of the injustices in our world, we need to ask, how can I walk along someone? How can I help someone who is injured? Have you asked that question instead of, why is this happening? Have you said, God, how can I help this brother or sister? The reality is our world is full of hurting people. Our community is full of hurting people. This congregation This room is full of hurting people. At some point, everyone is playing injured from time to time. And where is God in all of this? The same place he was when Jesus was praying to him in the garden. Where is God when you hurt? Where is God in your time of loss, in your time of need, in your frustration, in the injustice that you see? He's in the same place he was when Jesus was on the cross. When Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There was something better waiting for Christ and there's something better waiting for us. God knows your pain. He knows your pain when you mourn. He knows your mental pain when you struggle with anxiety or depression. He understands your physical pain. I think that sometimes God is waiting for us to just come alongside the injured in our world. That's what we're here for. It's one of the reasons I believe that as Christians we are set apart to be His reflection, to share with others that we aren't meant to go through this alone. But the sad reality is that we allow our injuries to separate us. We allow our injuries to identify us. We, we become injured by something, whatever it is, and, and we begin to isolate ourselves. And, and there's, there's going to be a great message about isolation in unity next week, and I hope you all will be here to hear it, but but that's what we do. We allow our injury to define us with shame, with guilt. I can't go see them. If they find out what I've done, they won't let me be part of their Christian club anymore. If they know I'm broken, they're not going to let me in. We're all broken sometime. We're all playing injured. The sad reality is we allow our injuries to separate us. We allow our injuries to identify us, to define us, but that's not God's plan. 
What defines us is His love poured into us because of His Son, Jesus Christ. That's what defines us. As we come to our response time, I want you to take a few moments to gather your thoughts. Think about what it means to have no identity. I talked about identity last week. Think about what it means to be isolated. Think about what it means to be injured. Are any of you injured right now? It's okay. This is a safe place. I'm not going to ask what your injury is. Think about what it means to not realize the power of your influence. You see, when we're isolated, when we're injured, we don't allow these things in our lives. We start to live a life that's just devoid of real relationship. We aren't the way we're supposed to be. We become a shadow of ourselves. No one gets to know who we are or what we deal with or what injuries we have because we feel like we have to play it close to the vest. I look good, therefore I am good. Clothes make the man. Fake it till you make it. Any other little hashtag cute saying that we like to talk about that we think leads to success but really sets us up for heartache and lies and failure. Take a few moments and consider the ways in which you've allowed your injuries to isolate you from other people. Where you've allowed the shame from a mistake to isolate you from, from the truthfulness of a relationship, from your parents, from your brother or sister, from your family, from your church. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4 says, Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. He goes on to say, Do nothing from selfishness, or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. Now consider what has kept you from being as close to God as you could be. You see those injuries pop up, and we get, we get an injury, and we, don't, we no longer regard the people around us as more important than ourselves because I have to deal with my injury. No. Maintain love. Be united in spirit. One purpose. You see an injury, selfishness, greed, pride, lust, hatred, jealousy, apathy, laziness, all of these and more like them can be summed up in one word. Sin. But what's been done to deal with sin? 1 Peter 2.24 says, And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. You may think you're injured. You may think you're playing injured and wounded right now. But by his wounds you are healed. You don't have to let that injury define you. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried. And that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive. He's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Sometimes the injuries that we're living through life with, we cause ourselves because we sin. And rather than repent from that sin, we begin to cling to that sin. We, we kind of find comfort in that sin. 
But if we confess, He will forgive. What do you need to confess? What are you clinging to? What injury are you living with that no one knows about? What is keeping you from confessing that sin? 1 Peter 5, 5 and 6 says, And all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. See, typically it's pride that keeps us from sharing what we're dealing with with somebody. It says, Clothe yourself with humility toward one another. For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Who needs grace? Yeah, right here. I need it. You need it. God gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. That's another one that we struggle with. When's the right time? I'm tired of dealing with this. Bring me out of this, Lord. At the proper time, he will. But no matter where you're at in life right now, I want everyone in this room to just close your eyes and bow your head. And I want you to think about this. I want you to take some time just for a moment. And I'm even going to stop talking, but I want you to take some time and thank God for the relationships you have so you don't have to go through life injured and alone. Being faithful to forgive. And if you would, in this moment, go ahead and stand. Thinking about these things. And we're going to come into another time where we're just going to worship the God who rescues us from injury. We're going to worship the God who rescues us from isolation. We're going to respond to His love, His mercy, and His grace as we sing our response song this morning. And I just want to encourage you, if there's something that you need to share, if there's something that you are struggling with, if there is a life issue, whatever it is, you're not meant to go through it alone. Our elders are here. They'd love to pray with you. Your brothers and sisters in Christ are here in this room. And it would be my honor to pray for you as well. Will you sing this song and think about these things? It's been great to be here with you all this morning and to worship you, to worship with you, not to worship you, uh, <laughs> to, to worship with you, to challenge you with God's word. But now it's time to go. As you go this week, I want to encourage you to do two things. First, go to the Fellowship Bay and enjoy some of the finest Italian cuisine this side of Terra Nova's. Second, and more important, as you go this week, I want to challenge you to go looking for the injured people. Physically, spiritually, mentally, whatever the injury may be. Pray that God will open your eyes to how someone is hurting. And find out how you can be a source of help and a source of light. And who knows, maybe while you're helping someone through their injury, they're going to ask, where is God in all this? And you can tell them, he sent you to be his ambassador and to walk with them through this season because we're not meant to go through this alone. Will you sing this last song with us?